0: Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And with me as always is my colleague, my friend, a pastor, a statesman, a theologian, assistant professor of Christian studies. Did I get that right? You got it. Managing editor of For the Church, Mr. Ronnie Kurtz. Brother, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Jared? I'm doing really, really well. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> you know what? You know what this is all about. Oh no. The, the episode so you were, sorry, you were listeners. so excited about. I had to find the,
1: cre- <sighs> the uh it says eerie. Yeah, that, that's what this episode is. This it's... episode is
0: already eerie. I like it. And it kind of sounds like Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, which I know you're into. Yeah, I am into. And uh I we had to do an episode on UFOs.
1: Had to <laughs> is a really strong I word. gotta
0: tell you, listeners, uh when we when I first shared with Ronnie that I wanted to do this episode, he replied <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> 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 which um I'm not scared of UFOs. no, but no.
1: I'm scared about this episode Scared to be on record talking and, about them.
0: and even like, I sent you some stuff to kind of check out and look up. and then and I thought this will this will prepare you. and and we did a little pre-show kind of prep. and you still, you're just not feeling it. No, I am not feeling
1: this episode, Jared. <laughs> listen, listener, i I am here following Jared Wilson's lead thought, you know, I'd follow this guy to the ends of the earth. <laughs> Turns out that's gonna be somewhat literal.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: yeah. this is an example of a reluctant podcast host. Okay. Uh, I think I'd rather be on any other podcast it episode could at this point. Be
0: that you're conceiving of UFOs um, differently, right? So, does your mind immediately go, oh, he's talking about flying saucers or he's talking no. about aliens? No, I think the hesitation is I just don't
1: have anything intelligible to say. You know, and, and as, yeah. as an academic, I if I don't have anything informed to say, I'd rather just <laughs> bow out of the conversation. I
0: think you do and don't realize it <laughs> okay. as we dig well, into some of this Hopefully we stuff. find it somewhere. Yeah. So, I'm guessing you've never seen a UFO. No, never. Never, never. in your whole life. No. Never seen you? one. I've seen two, two. Okay, <laughs> you're already more experienced than me. <laughs> yeah. It. Well, I mean, it is what it sounds like. It's an unidentified flying yeah. object. Or, well, that's, that's the old term. Yeah. The yeah. government term now is UAP. Yeah. Which is unidentified aerial phenomenon. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was sitting outside, yeah. as one would, you know, <laughs> to see something like this. Typically, don't see UFOs inside. And it was <laughs> night. Both times were 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 at night um and i was sitting outside and i was looking um at the sky over uh, in in my front yard and this it was a large um i mean not really large but bigger than kind of the you know the the light of an airplane passing mm-hmm. over it was like it was uh, and it was circular and it was just like a light and it came down you know vertic uh, you know directly down you know straight down so it wasn't it didn't look like the flight you know the uh, flight uh, a path of a plane, and it came down and it stopped, and then another light came out of it, and it so it became two lights, and it split, and the two lights, uh, you know, one went you know left, one went right, and and then they and then they disappeared. So I'm not saying what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's, you it's, can't it's not me saying it. this is a craft from outer space. Yeah. That's what people sometimes hear. I'm saying, what was it? I don't know what that was. <laughs>
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess the only time I saw a UFO, I was in the theaters when the the Monstars came to play basketball. With oh, Michael Jordan this is and his a Space friends. Jam reference.
0: <laughs> how, how do you feel
1: about the new Space Jam? It's out today. I've oh, not it? seen it. Okay. Yeah, today's the release day. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, excited about that or no? I uh, Space Jam was a classic. You know, it's the closest thing yeah. I know
0: to aliens. So. <laughs> <laughs> So that was one. I had another sighting with some friends. This one has corroboration. I was actually sitting with my wife and a couple friends in the backyard. We were enjoying the fire pit, and we were looking up, and there was a series. There was three, and it didn't look like shooting stars. We've seen shooting stars before. We've seen meteor showers or whatever you would call it where the things are kind of— This was like—it seemed very timed. Like one—it was like these things were being released. There was a light, and it kind of—it was a round circle of light, and it went across the sky and disappeared. And then there's a pause, and then a second one went across the sky and disappeared. And then it just, and then a third one went across the sky. And we were looking, and we 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 went through every scenario. It's is it you know meteor? Is it um, you know the like asteroid type deal? And it just seemed too regular and mm-hmm. too. I mean, it, you know that is what it. You know, it could have been that, I suppose, but it just didn't seem like anything we'd ever seen before. So there's two examples of unexplained aerial phenomena. I thought this would be a good topic because um, it raises some theological questions. Okay, and we finally have the government—we have the U.S. government—basically affirming that these things are real. That to me is the most significant thing yeah. because for so long, you have people who see things like me, crazy people who sit <laughs> in their yards. Hey, you said see, it. Not me. They're like, "What was that?" Like? <laughs> and you come up with all kinds of explanations. It's a—it's balloon. It's you yeah. know—it's a, a satellite. It's Uh, drones, it's all kinds of things. And um, the government has always said, oh, you know, it's, you're seeing swamp gas and all these sorts of things. But there's been these sightings for years. um, And there's been a stigma attached to them. So that's kind of, you know, part of the story is airline pilots um, have these stories, you know, going back for years, but they don't bring them up because their mental health gets questioned and their job security gets questioned and and same in, in, in military. So Military folks have, you know, these stories as well. Um, and then what happened most recently was the New York Times broke this story two years ago, 2019. Um, governmental military video of a couple of these UAPs. Um, one was something they tracked on uh, uh, several different, you know, radar and, and, and sensors. And there's a, a few notable things about them. Number one... Um, they appear to be moving very fast, faster, um, than, uh, um, you know, things that they're used to in terms of drones and that sort of thing. Um, they seem to have maneuverability that is beyond capability, certainly beyond our capability, or at least that's what they're saying. You, you, I guess, you know, some argue that they're lying about the whole thing, but if it's top secret stuff, I don't know why they'd be putting video up and all these sorts of things. Um, but it, it has maneuverability. It can change course, all these sorts of things. It doesn't have any um, visible uh, 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 propulsion. Like you don't see engines on it. You don't see jet streams coming out of it or whatever you would call it. Um, you know, the contra- or, yeah, contrails, that kind of thing. It doesn't seem to have a visible means of propulsion. And so um, the New York Times is basically saying now we have military confirmation of these encounters with these UAPs. One was the tic-tac. They call it a tic-tac because it's, it, it's shaped like a, I guess, like a tic-tac. And that was the one that was over the ocean that was filmed by uh, naval um, you know, by uh, a navy ship and um and planes. Uh, and then there was another example as well. well, it it finally pressed um the Pentagon to release a report. Now, if you're a conspiracy theorist, which I don't know if you're a conspiracy but, but very theorist, much not. yeah, yeah if you're a conspiracy yeah. theorist, you' think, oh, this is all just sort of, um, you know, it's all kind of propaganda to distract us or they know exactly what this is or that sort of thing. And maybe they do. Uh, but this year, finally, the Pentagon released a report. They've been doing a study on these things. And and we also have learned uh, through the New York Times and others that there was actually a, uh, a funded Pentagon office studying this stuff for years. And it was kind of underground. They kept a secret because they didn't want anyone to know, okay, we're actually looking into this. Um, we don't think it's just kooky people out there making things up. There's something going on, and, and we're going to study it. So then, that was outed that there was was actually a Pentagon study. So the Pentagon released this report: 143 quote unquote credible sightings of UAPs. Those are the things that they r- reported on. They have no explanation. This is what <laughs> it, this is the official word, and this is what I think makes it a significant thing. Is basically we have our government saying number one these are real it's not um optical illusions or something like that these are real things but they're saying we don't know what they are so of course that leads to various theories if you had a theory ron this is time for you to jump in i want to just you're sitting there like just keep talking just that's keep exactly talk. what i'm thinking this but, is your episode but people don't like I'm the just... solo episodes they want a conversation if you had a theory okay about what these things are, what would wh- what is your theory? Oh man,
1: glad you asked us. It's the only thing I prepared for. Okay,
0: okay, good. All right,
1: here's here's my
0: theory. You ready? Mm-hmm.
1: In the uh, document, I'm I'm pulling on my phone to read here. <laughs> the Pentagon gave five categories for what these things could be. Yeah, here's what they are. You ready? Mm-hmm. A secret technology developed by an adversarial power like Russia or China. It's one, two, classified, cutting edge American technology. Three. A naturally occurring phenomenon, four airborne clutter such as errant weather balloons or five the catch-all other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that category is where the fun comes in. But yes. I uh, the way my brain works, and this probably makes me a bad Christian in the sense that uh, I I have to remind myself sometimes that I inhabit a worldview that's supernatural. Okay. And. I I typically always go for the most obvious, explainable natural phenomenon, and so if I maybe I have had an experience with the UAP like you said in your backyard, and and I just said oh that's just a Southwest Air, airline plane, <laughs> you know, the, I, <laughs> right. my, my brain immediately rationalizes it. So I would probably if you ha- if you forced me to answer the question, I would say it's one of the the first four categories and. Um, we're having a hard time identifying what it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think of those, and I don't know. I don't. I, I don't have a theory myself. Um, but I have reasons against some of the theories. Yeah, the one that seems the most likely would be that it would be, you know, um, from Russia or China or some other some advanced technology. But that to me is more frightening than if it's extraterrestrials. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we know that Russia and China are not um are not allies. Um and what this would tell us is they have technology that is far more advanced than anything that we have, or at least that we claim to have. That's the whole thing, whether we're actually seeing the whole story. I I don't want to get into that rabbit trail, but if, you know, the, the, no visible means of propulsion, the maneuverability, basically the official word is this is far beyond anything that we have developed. And so if it is from one of those, uh, you know, from a foreign nation, um, they are way more advanced than we are. And that, that would be frightening that that they are that far ahead. Um, the idea that it would be our own kind of top secret type stuff, which is something that they wouldn't admit if it, if it were. Um, I listened to another podcast um, from a fellow who was saying it's not likely that we would test our own stuff next to our own stuff who did who, who weren't aware of it because they might shoot it down or they might you know they might engage with it or something. Um, and and so that's not. You know that's not very likely, and if it was top secret, our own stuff, we probably would not. The Pentagon would not be issuing a report with video and and everything. I can kind of get there, um, so we fall into this other category, or the debris, or it could you know. be debris. But they, so only one, uh, they were able to identify one of these things, um, and they said it was a deflating weather balloon. That was that was one that they were able to identify. That leaves a hundred and forty something. That the best minds and researchers could say we have no idea what it is, and it just seems odd to me that you would have multiple cameras and sensors tracking things that are moving very, very fast, switching course, in some cases just instantly disappearing. All these things, and that and and you know seasoned pilots and others wouldn't would say you know wouldn't know that that was you know a regular drone or you know some kind of debris a a, a plastic bag being you know driven by the wind they've seen <laughs> wow. those things all the time so it just that to me you're basically saying really smart people who who've seen lots of things um are idiots and would mistake these things hundreds of times yeah i could see you know um we're we're talking about vehicles. i mean we have the pentagon basically saying These are real. There's matter. It's not an optical Mm -hmm. illusion. These are real things, and we don't know what they are. So that raises the question um, in the other category. If these are uh, intelligently directed vehicles and they're not from Earth, or at least uh, what we know of Earth, uh, what are they? And if they are extraterrestrial, if or let me pause it, interdimensional. (laughs) Uh, I know you're tracking. You're loving this so much. I wish you could see
1: the joy on Jared Wilson's face right now.
0: And I wish you could see the pain on Ronnie Kurtz's face. His face basically says, when can we start the next episode? (laughs) You it already. raises the question, what are the implications for Christianity? Okay. I thought as a theologian, you would actually enjoy this question. Even if you have no interest, Yeah, um, the whole idea, if, other, if, life, if there's life on other planets or okay. life in other worlds, what does that mean for the implications of Christianity? Because one of the, um, the hallmarks of people who believe that the government or the, the global government's have been suppressing this information for years is because it would have you know, detrimental and catastrophic effects on our institutions, our trust in government, um, our sense of comfort and security. I, I could see that, right? Man, gosh, if you believe that aliens are coming here and could kill us and destroy us all, and we have no means of protecting ourselves, would that disrupt the, the, or, you know, the peaceful order such as it is? Would, would there be widespread looting and rioting and all those sorts of things? But then theologically, it would disrupt um, what we've known as truth all along. And my question is, is is that true? Well, would that be true? Well, this is something C.S. Lewis explores Mm -hmm. in a little essay called uh, Religion and Rocketry, which I discovered um, yesterday—not the essay, but I discovered about the essay (laughs) yesterday. Uh, I read this essay long ago, um, but he originally wrote it for a magazine in 1958— and it was originally titled, Will We Lose God in Outer Space? Which um, really just goes to the heart of the question. So, in this essay, and if you can find it, um, listener, if you're a Lewis fan, you can find it, um, I think, most available in the, this little collection of essays called The World's Last Night. Actually, one of the essays is called The World's Last Night. So, the book is The World's Last Night and Other Essays. And in there is one called Religion and Rocketry. Where Lewis is basically exploring the question, what are the implications for Christianity or theism in general, uh, monotheism uh, in particular, um, if there is life on other planets? And so he just kind of like takes it, you know, it's not a long essay, but he kind of goes piece by piece to say, uh, well, it depends on what kind of life it is. What if it's just vegetable life? Would that matter if we discovered that, you know, um, even in our own solar system, if we went to Venus and we found that there's flowers there or something? Um, would that have implications for Christianity? Probably not. Um, but what if we found there was sentient life? There was animal life. Um, well, would that have huge implications? We found that there's some, you know, Saturnian version of cows or, or something like that. Um, would that have any implications? Um, maybe, maybe not. But what if there was intelligent life? Um, whatever. You know, corresponding version of human beings on on other planets would that have implications for our understanding of creation, redemption, um, doctrine? You know, doctrinal truths like the incarnation, the atonement, um, our idea of the atonement. So Lewis explores all these little things and begins to kind of tease out um, if there is life on other planets. Um, you know, a version of human life, not human, but, you know, sentient, intelligent life, uh, would it be fallen or unfallen? How far does the the fall of Adam? So come on, theologian, <laughs> I'm going to bring you it back into the conversation. Um, <clears throat> would the fall of Adam have impacted life on other planets?
1: Well, I much prefer you do the talking of this episode, but <laughs> if, if you'll force me to talk. I'm going to force you all along the way. <laughs>
0: Um, well, I
1: mean, theologically speaking, and um, I saw a meme the other day, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not a,
0: I don't particularly enjoy memes. I, hold on, I just love this. Theologically speaking, I saw a yeah. meme the other day. Well, yeah, I that's love right. It. Yeah, I yeah.
1: Love it. The the meme uh, had a bird on it, and it said, "Parrot learns to say it depends on the t- it depends on the context, and is given a <laughs> PhD in theology, and I'm about to do something like that." So depends um, on the context. Okay, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So. In theology, I mean, if we're talking about the, the, the discipline, the classic discipline, the study of God and all things in relation to God, which I think is the best definition of the discipline of theology, uh, we are forced to work with the data that we have. The data that we have is special and natural revelation. Uh, and by natural revelation, I also mean, you know, Christian contemplation of God. So, so uh, natural theology like Thomas Aquinas would, would discuss uh therefore, uh what I have is the biblical data and contemplation data that we can you know conclude from right reason in the christian tradition and i would I would want to say a couple of things: one, given that my data is the special and natural revelation, I have very little to say authoritatively on the topic two, and this is me trying to give you the the true of what I actually <laughs> think about this theologically okay two, there is something here. So, I don't want to uh get you too excited, but there is something here to talk about one, I like the the posture that says there's an unidentifiable object in the sky. there must be an explanation yeah uh that's an epistemological or the study of knowledge that that that's a posture that I think we should have as christians right you don't the the classical example in philosophy is there's There's no way in which you're walking down a path in the woods and you see a blue glowing orb and you think, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why that's there. Probably no good reason. There's a good reason for why things are there. And so searching for an explanation, I think, is actually a good good philosophical thing to do. Now, your question about what it would mean for Christian theology if there were life on other planets, regardless of what form that life takes, I do think it means—I do think there's something to say about the telos or the goal, the end of Scripture, which I would argue is the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And I think in that category, there's some room to talk here, meaning uh, in the garden, of the, the garden of Eden, we see that the, Adam and Eve actually observe the pleasantness of the flowers, right? And so there's, there's something creative about God. And if all things in Scripture are there for the telos of his glory and the good of man, uh, his creative acts are for his glory. And so I think we can get there theologically. And so I think if there is something, like maybe we will find flowers on Venus, for example. uh, I think that's good news. I think it's uh, it actually is a little bit of swimming against the current of all things must have a pragmatic end that we have in our culture. Yeah. Maybe flowers on Venus exist for God's glory. And it doesn't have any practical telos other than yeah. the, the glory of God. And I think that's a good that's a good thing to 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 reason. That's about all I would be able to say theologically. Okay. I, that's probably unsatisfactory, but that that's what I feel comfortable at least being on record yeah. saying. What
0: it. about the idea? So there was some who would say um if we discovered there's life on other planets, even if it's just flowers, yeah, I mean if I think they' found like microbes or something, you know you know things like that, but developed life, if we found life on other planets in our solar system or beyond, that would have you know catastrophic impact on the Christian's uh, you know view of creation. And I tend to think it's the other way around, because if you believe that what we experience on earth and the perfectly positioned uh, system and the uniqueness that we have here, that all of that came about by chance. Just some, you know, th- the odds of that happening are just beyond astronomical. That all of this came about through lightning striking goop or something. Where'd the goop come from? Where'd the lightning yeah. co- All I mean, it's just, that's just utterly ridiculous. Now, if you add life on other planets... You're increasing the odds even more, hmm. uh, or or decreasing the odds that this would be completely by chance. <clears throat> I guess it, ha- it has a lot to do with um, nature of time and that sort of thing. If you have an infinite amount of time, um, I suppose these things could happen. But to me, um, it it increases the chance that there is a creator, there's a designer of all these things. If we actually are finding what um would seem to be astronomically unlikely here on other in other places. So the question that Lewis kind of raises is Romans chapter eight, right? All creation mm-hmm. is groaning for redemption. Is that referring to just our planet, all creation? Or is it more cosmic? And this has the implications then for if there are aliens on other you know on other planets, <laughs> are they fallen or unfallen? And if they're fallen, <clears throat> did Christ's atoning work, <clears throat> does it extend to them, or would the Son of God need to incarnate on their planet or have some other—and so he goes into this thing about, like, you know, the physician may use multiple kinds of medicine and and different things like that. and and posits that, um, you know, the, the Lord may have other experiments going on, not experiments, but he may have other projects <laughs> going on in other places. But in the end, he kind of reasons, if he does, uh, he uses the word quarantine. We're kind of quarantined off. We, we wouldn't know about it. So in his mind, um, any of the, you know, if there are aliens or if there, if there are extraterrestrials, uh, we very likely wouldn't know anything about them which is odd because i mean this is a guy who wrote science fiction he wrote about traveling in his space trilogy traveling and that's actually the major premise of um of the first couple of novels in particular the second novel in the space trilogy paralandra is about um landing on a world where they are unfallen and what happens when sinners um you know come into contact with alien beings who um who are not fallen and and you know, the kind of damage we can do and, and the, naive, the naivety of them, the innocence of the, other, um, of the other world. So I think it does have some implications for us. I tend to think, um, as the Bible talks about the heavens and that creation is cosmic. And so if there are, if there, if there is extraterrestrials, whether they're coming go. here or not, I don't know. But <laughs> if there is alien life on other planets, um, I would tend to think that they fell with Adam. Given the special revelation that we do have, and that the sun's atoning work here on this earth would have implication for them now, how they would hear, I don't know, but that's kind of where where my mind goes with that but one thing that that Lewis kind of comes around to and i I think it dovetails with, with what you were just saying, Ronnie, was basically um we can decide these things when we actually know hmm. um. Because he and he mentions, I don't remember this, but he he um in anything that I've read from Augustine, but he mentions Augustine talking about the spiritual state of monopods and satyrs and these kind of mythical things um as if they may exist. And he says that Augustine basically says, when we know that they exist, then we can then we'll answer the question. And that's kind of where Lewis lands with this alien stuff. I'll take it. Yeah, I, <laughs> no, it's it's okay to say I, we don't, I don't know yeah, is what he's basically saying, right. yep. and then we can decide. But I mean, you can do the thought experiment. Yes, let's say they exist. Yeah. So make up make up your mind. <laughs> I fe- I feel like it's a big cop out. I enjoy the essay because of the subject matter, but I feel like Lewis cop. Yeah, yeah. he's doing a
1: cop out. Well, the I, I'll take the Louisian route then. <laughs> 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 no, I do like the impulse. I I, I mean. If listeners have ears to hear, my definition of theology is really influenced by uh, really two theologians, one, Thomas Aquinas, and two, John Webster, okay. uh, the late theologian who passed away in 2016. I would define theology as the study of God and all things in relation to God. And if that's true, if that's really my definition of theology, uh, which puts God as the primary and principal source of all all discussion, and then everything else in relation to him uh, that would include things like this. And so the, the theologian has justification to run thought experiments. I think if, if my definition is right, part of the all things in relation to God would be Venus and Saturn and yeah. all of the cosmos. And I think we have justifiable reason to at least think in those realms. Yeah.
0: I love this stuff, man. I,
1: I'm so <laughs> glad that you do, Jared. And listen, this is just a testimony to how much I enjoy
0: you and okay. enjoy your friendship. But you're not enjoying this particular. I episode. I am along for the ride, <laughs> <Okay>. my friend. <laughs> I love this stuff. Even, I mean, do you like outer space movies? Have no, you it? no, okay. I don't. It's yeah. interesting. Have you seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind? No, I haven't. Okay, I, I know I recommended a this. Great
1: <laughs> wet blanket here. That's all I'm here for. Yeah,
0: Close Encounters of the, of the Third Kind, 1970s. I think. Steven Spielberg. Okay. It's a masterpiece. It's actually come to the they've it, actually shown on the big screen here a couple of times. There's something about that movie. So he made that one in the and then, then he made E.T. in I think 82. And those are the two kind of the UFO movies, right? But Close Encounters, and I love E.T. and in a lot of ways, E.T. is a better movie, but Close Encounters kind of taps into um, the internal sort of longing for the other and for something beyond. So you have these people who are just living these normal kind of routine, mundane lives, and they feel kind of empty, even doing the normal kind of stuff. And then they have the they see a UFO, or they there's something that happens where they become aware of 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 a reality beyond themselves, and how that can um, first of all it sets them apart, it makes them aliens in their own world. I think there's like a double um, you know meaning taking place here. Richard Dreyfuss plays this family man, this father and husband, and his sighting utterly changes him, and it makes him an alien in his own family, basically. He doesn't know how to relate um, because he's so—when you see something like what he saw and no one either believes you or thinks it's a big deal or whatever it is, and it creates this—I think there's a parallel there for— um, even conversion, hmm. right? It, it sets you apart, you're, you're, you're marked. But it also taps into this sense that, I, you know, I think what Spielberg's doing is tapping into our sense for something beyond. We we yearn for God
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, innately. Even those who are lost, um, creation or eternity is written in their hearts. They may be, you know, they're suppressing the truth. They may never even come to the truth, but there's something in them, right? The, the Pascalian God-shaped hole or whatever it is. Um, that they they learn, you know, they yearn for something beyond themselves, and that movie like just so taps into it. And then, you know, um, the end, the climactic, you know, ending sort of um, creates a culmination event. Like, um, I want to give, I don't want to give any spoilers. This is a fifty year old movie, but <laughs> I won't spoil it for you because I think you should see it um, just as a as a you know great uh, work of of, of filmmaking. Um, <clears throat> but it comes to the end, and it's like. You're not crazy for, for thinking and believing this way. And the end actually is is somewhat rapturous and I think somewhat heavenly. To me, when I see the end, I tear up every time because it is sort of like um, you're not alone. All, all the things you were afraid of and the things that you lost and all of that, when you get to the end, you're going to discover um, it, it, it's, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. You're not alone. So I think you know this whole concept kind of ties into some of those things. Uh, one theory that the government did not put in that report, well, I guess it would go into other is that these are beings, but not extraterrestrial. They're not aliens from outer space, but perhaps aliens from inner space, which so interdimensional travels. and this is a a, <clears throat> a route I explored in my novel Otherworld. Hey. There we go. Where it it hinges on kind of UFO sightings and the idea of aliens and the the premise of that book is no these aren't it's not you know, people coming from outer space these are interdimensional travelers which taps into this the spiritual reality and the reality is they're fallen angels they're demons so the things that are, that appear to us um, that that are real that aren't aren't optical illusions hallucinations misidentified foreign uh, you know things. Um, are actually spiritual beings you you mentioned this earlier that uh, we shouldn't rule out the supernaturality because we are as Christians we're supernatural people. Um, what if these things are some sort of satanic deception of some kind? I think you know that may be an unlikely theory, but it's not um, an impossible theory. Uh, maybe these things are are meant to uh, mislead and that's something I explore in in other world as well. Um, so yeah, that, I I just think thinking through the implications of the atonement, creation, um, because this isn't going away. Yeah, if tomorrow the Pentagon says, "All right, we're fessing up," what happened in Roswell, 1947, <laughs> was actually an alien crash. We do have extraterrestrial bodies. Yeah. Uh, we'll do another episode. We've had him on ice, and I'll I'll uh, apologize. I just want believers to be prepared. Hey, look at you. Think through this, so when the headline hits, you're not going, "Oh gosh, now my faith is shaken," because yeah, yeah. the Bible says God created this stuff, and He didn't say it did not say anything about Him creating that stuff. We, I think we should think through these things. It's not just a, a That's mark. Right. Yeah, Ronnie. I am. I'm, I'm- <laughs> With you somewhat
1: here, okay, you're with me somewhat. Maybe maybe hit the noise one more time. <laughs> there it is.
0: I'm just glad you're with me somewhat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we never uh, we never really use these sound effects. No, we so don't. I and mean, there's a good reason to bring him in. We hey, well, <laughs> dear listener, I'm glad you stuck with us. This sounded like a solo episode, and we just certainly didn't mean it to be. I thought there'd be a lot more conversation, some give and take <laughs> from my theologian across the table over here, but uh, maybe it's just you and me. Hey. If you enjoy the podcast, please give us a good review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Five stars would be preferable. Whatever the maximum amount of stars is, that, that's what we would like. And what I, what I think I'm going to do, because I discovered other podcasts do this. Okay. They read some reviews. Hey, do that. I'm going to yeah. do that. Maybe yeah. that will incentivize. I'm not going to do it this time because I oh, okay, didn't bring it. Okay, okay. But I'll look some up and, yeah. and, and we'll do some next time. Uh, maybe if if because it it t- it taps into people's narcissism that they can hear their name. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we're about here that's too. Right, it's propagating narcissism.
1: Just propagating narcissism. <laughs> <laughs> also, did you recognize that you inadvertently quoted Katy Perry earlier? Did you? Was that on Katie, purpose?
0: Who's Katy Perry? No.
1: That, wait, uh, singer. Yes. Okay. You can't know about extraterrestrials and not know about what Katy is, Perry. What did Katie, you what talked is about got to do with it? You talked about a, a bag blowing through the wind, which is the beginning of "Firework," the song. And I <laughs> thought you were—I thought you were purposely <laughs> quoting Katy Perry on a podcast
0: no, about UFOs. Not intentional thought, at all. I need to be in a different I'm room. Not, I could debunk <laughs> that theory right now. Um, I do not keep Katy Perry lyrics in my head. Um hey.
1: There are Stranger Things, my friend. She talks about, Stranger Things, that's good.
0: (laughs) I think Stranger Things should have UFOs. Until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.